Welcome back to the Monthly Alts Pulse. I'm Michael Sigmore, co-founder and partner of Broadhaven Ventures and founder of the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. I'm here with Lawrence Calcano, Chairman and CEO of iCapital. Good to see you, Michael. Good to see you too. I, I'm wondering, is there a down market in the bracelet world? You seem to be light this month. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot of dry powder in the bracelet world right now. I'm going to have to go back. When I go back in February, I think I'm going to have to get a bracelet. Okay, good. But I don't know if I can get a cufflink. I see some pretty cool cufflinks over there. What do we got? Oh, the Rangers. Yeah, my hockey team. Yeah. You think the Rangers are going to go deep in the playoffs? I hope so. They, 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 uh, they certainly have the talent to be able to do that. But do they have the chemistry? Well, chemistry is obviously quite important in any team activity. Well, we do like teams that have good chemistry. That's actually a great jumping off point to talk about what's going on in private markets. You think about the space, there's a lot of dots that are being connected right now. Mm -hmm. And partnership and collaboration are so key in moving private markets forward. You had an interesting announcement recently, big partnership and collaboration that you had. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on what it means to partner and have collaboration amongst people within the industry. Sure. I, I think we're at a really interesting, as you pointed out, point in the market where you think about adoption cycles, and this is true, I think, in any industry with any new product or service, th there's a natural group of buyers, think about them organized in a normal distribution. We're well past the early adopters getting involved with alts. I'd say 20% of the advisors are driving 80% of the volume today. But as you get into sort of the, the followers and the sort of fat part, if you will, of that normal distribution of adoption, you're gonna need to approach things a lot differently. And, and in particular, this next wave, they don't wanna change how they operate. They, they, they know in many cases that they need to adopt new products or services that are important to their clients. But the key, I think, is working within the systems and platforms that they're already using, that they're comfortable with. And I think that's really a big part, as we announced, you referenced our partnership with Morningstar. Morningstar is on 170,000 advisor desktops. Advisors use it for portfolio construction tools, for risk scoring, for portfolio proposal capabilities. And a lot of advisors use that capability. And so by partnering with Morningstar and bringing Architect, which we've talked about, bringing the product availability in the marketplace we have, as well as the educational material, we're helping to deliver in a way that advisors are used to working. And that's really important, and particularly as we get to the next wave of adoption. Working within how people are comfortable working already, I think is a key to taking this whole alternatives industry to the next level. When you say meeting advisors at their point of need, yes. what does that mean to you in practice? If they're working with an existing set of tools or services, not asking them to push those to the side to adopt something new. The reality is adoption of alternatives is going to take place in the context of an existing portfolio. And so from our perspective, we want to partner with the firms that are helping advisors serve their clients well already and bring the alternative expertise we have from end to end and connecting with their systems and, and platforms and so forth, again, to create that advisor experience in the context of a full portfolio. You've heard me say this many times that iCapital, though people will often ask us, are you guys so disruptive to the industry? And I've always said, we're not disruptive, we're enabling and we're working to help 
the existing outstanding platforms and service providers bring a new asset class to their clients. And so that's what we think about. It's enabling existing providers to bring this asset class to their clients in a really effective and efficient way. Enabling is a really interesting way of thinking about this space. It feels like we're at a new point in private markets. The, the foundation's been built, but we're at that next phase of, like you say, the fat part of the distribution curve is really getting into this, but you need to meet them where they are. I wanna highlight three words that seem to keep coming up. So one is holistic, two is utility, and three is standardization. All three of those things seem to fit into a lot of what you're talking about. So I'd love for you to unpack those. So holistic, now you have to understand a holistic portfolio in order to understand where alt fits into that. How do you think about the concept of holistic when it comes to a private markets incorporating that and b giving the industry the tools to do so to us at iCapital holistic is as i was referencing a few minutes ago means how do you plug into what exists today if your allocation to alternatives is one percent three percent etc it's really an alternative you can do it you cannot do it it's not really going to impact your portfolio cios today at all the banks wealth managers etc their suggested allocation is 15 to 25, 30%, right? That's not an alternative. That's a core part of the portfolio. And so how do you deliver the tools to help advisors create holistic portfolios with alts at the start? Because you can't build a 60, 40 portfolio and then substitute 15, 20, 25% of it out. And so tools like Architect, which we've talked about, which really look at the addition of alts to portfolios and what happens to the goals of the portfolio, the factors you're tracking, et cetera, and allow advisors to have a set of analytical tools to be able to work the way they are used to working. And in this case, as I referenced, plugging into some of the tools Morningstar offers. And there are other partners as well, InvestNet and so forth, that are quite important to us. But really being able to deliver alts into an advisor tool set in a way that helps them be successful in delivering these products to their clients. That brings us to the next word, standardization. If you create standardization in certain areas, it makes life easier for everyone. And you're seeing a lot of GPs try to figure out how to get into this space. I think there was a bunch of news recently, BlackRock acquiring GIP, the big infrastructure yep. manager. And infrastructure seems like it's gonna be a big part of investors' portfolios. A lot of private banks are recommending yep. that, so you can see that yes. being a part of this. General Atlantic also acquired an infrastructure manager, Actis. Yep. And all these big GPs are thinking about, okay, how do we work with the Wealth Channel? But you need standardization for that to happen. And that ties into the holistic aspect of portfolio construction. What would your comments be on standardization and what needs to be standardized in the industry so that that can happen? It's a core part of what we are trying to do as a firm is create an industry operating system to standardize how people learn about, evaluate, subscribe to, and own various alternatives. It's like in the old days, back in the internet, wave one, when people were building bond marketplaces and equity marketplaces, there was no standardization. Every bank had their own bond marketplace or equity marketplace. And with lack of standardization, there was lack of volume and uptake, and they didn't really get any traction until they came together. So single dealer to multi-dealer trade web, it's a great example of that. A great saying. example Mar of yep. creating a marketplace that is thriving. That firm, uh, I know the CEO, Billy's terrific. They're doing a great job in terms of growing that business. And we look at the opportunity in alts and 
think and believe that there is still an even greater need for standardization. It's what we're trying to do on the technology side, what we build. It's what we're trying to do on the data side, which I'm sure we'll spend more time. It probably deserves its own episode. Data is so important. Um, but creating standardization, and, and I, I love seeing innovation. Like when you look at what's happening today, the GPs are trying lots of different things. They're trying lots of different things on the fin side, creating structures and ways to adopt, to bring product thoughtfully to this marketplace. We're trying new things on the tech side. We're trying to obviously enable a lot of that as well. And I think it's an exciting period of innovation around this whole space. And you've got to push really hard to continue to lead, but it's really, really important to always be on the front foot and to always understand that you're never done. Innovation doesn't end. You have to keep pressing on that to be successful. When you think about innovation not ending, what does that mean to you? You can never rest on your laurels, if you will. And I, I don't mean to say that in, it, like, as if we've accomplished anything yet. We're still feeling like there's a lot more to do. We try to show up at work every day feeling like we're way behind. But I think when you build technology, constantly evaluating what is the experience we're creating for our advisor clients and, and for their clients and never being satisfied that we're done. How can we make it better? How can we improve it? What should we add? If I think about iCapital circa 2013 and 14, we delivered a QP private equity product in a feeder on a technology stack, and we delivered to the marketplace. There was no ability for somebody to use the tech without the product, or buy the product without the tech. And by the way, at that point in time, it was very helpful for a lot of people to get access and to have automation to enter this new asset class. What we have spent the last 10 years doing is now unpacking that and separating the product, the financial product that somebody invests in from the technology stack that anybody can use as an operating system to run their business. And we continue to press on the separation and unpacking of those businesses. We have a group of people that are really focused on new structures, delivering product, educating on product, all the fin distributing, all the fin elements of what we do. And then a really large group of people focusing on functionality, expanding the functionality, expanding the feature set, creating greater reliability, greater reach, globalizing, and allowing anybody, whether you use our fin products or not, to actually have an operating system. And I always say, you wouldn't go build a business without an HR system, without a financial reporting system. Why would you build a large alts business, whether you're the GP or the distribution platform, without having an operating system to run it? Particularly if your goals are 15 to 25% asset allocation to alternatives. It's interesting because back then in 2013, 2014, even though you were delivering one product, you were also talking about this being a modular solution. Yes. So there was a vision to creating different pieces of the puzzle for different types of clients, whether GPs or LPs, and knowing that you had to do things a little bit differently. And yeah. that's still evolving, because back in the day, you go back to 15, 16, 17, when there was still a lot of discussion around the independent space versus the wirehouse space, at that moment in time, the products that we were serving on the financial side were really targeted to the RA space. We built a research team, we built a structuring team, we built a distribution team with the independent space in mind. 
the tech is, was for everybody, but the wires, they're not using our menu on the fin side, they're using our technology, the large IBDs, etc. What's happening in the independent space is so exciting, and now you're seeing massive scale, like the consolidation and M&A activity in the independent space is massive. And I look at that space, and we've always felt from the very start that an advisor is an advisor. Our role and our objective is to serve advisors. Where and how they want to practice is their decision. Whether you want to be an employee at a wirehouse, employee at an IBD or an RIA, it's up to you to decide what's the best way for you to serve your clients. But we're serving you, the advisor, wherever you choose to practice. And as the M&A world continues to, to accelerate, there are some massive RIAs being created that will have needs that look a lot like the needs the wirehouses had back in the day. They're, they've got an incredibly thoughtful investment team, very knowledgeable in alts, but they still need an operating system. So again, unpacking the product. And by the way, there's a lot of others that want to use the product, but being able to deliver modular solutions that deal with your specific needs is essential, I think, to scaling in this asset class. You said something earlier that ties in with what you just said about modular solutions to serve different needs. And I think private markets is so unique in the sense that there's needs on both the product side and yep. structuring of products and also the tech side. And that gets to what you said earlier about this interplay of fin and tech. I want to unpack that because this feels to be a space that's different than other parts of financial services where tech has been the feature rather than the fin side. I, yeah. I was actually recently talking to the former COO of a large global bank. He ran the private bank as well, part of that. And he made the observation that the traditional financial services space still is so important in digital banking, right? Everybody thought these digital banks were gonna take over and become the main account for many people. And in some cases, yes, some people use digital banks. It's their main way that they bank. But for the most part, most people still use the traditional banks as their way to bank, they may use a yeah. digital bank. But what it showed to me, which I think is so relevant for private markets and probably even more so than any other area of FinTech is that the Fin part matters just as much as the tech part. It totally does. I go back to the internet back in the mid nineties when things were really heating up. We, we were involved in so many of these. You had legacy retailers, large retailers spinning off their internet divisions as if it were a different thing. Now, by the way, there was a multiple arbitrage in part of that, which was very attractive from a financial yeah. standpoint. But there was a thought process around, this is an independent company, let it operate. And as we went on in time, I think all the retailers and people realized that actually it's not a different thing. It's a different way to deliver what we do to our clients. And all of those got brought back in. Some of those independent retailers became massive independent companies. I can think of one offhand. But, Have you but, ordered from it today? Uh, not yet. <laughs> um, I'm going to get you a bracelet, though, um, next time I go on. But having the features in-house in one place that allow you to really best serve your customer, whether they want to buy in one of your stores or whether they want to buy online, it's up to them. You've got to provide all that. I think in this space, it's pretty similar you've got to provide all the sort of the end-to-end -end capabilities for either your GP clients, your distribution, your advisor clients, and their clients to have a holistic experience and use all of it or none of it. And that means, again, unpacking the fin piece that is a really important independent discipline from the technology piece. That also relates to 
the third word, which is utility, and how industry collaboration matters so much. You referenced yep. that earlier. But figuring out what's required for each type of customer, utility is required as the connective tissue of that. What do you make of that and how, I think, again, private markets requires an industry utility? I think it does, and I think it falls out of a lot of the other conversations we've been having. We, we think that there's an opportunity to create the industry marketplace and platform for people to come and go and to look at product, learn about product, buy product, for people on the GP side to put their products into the marketplace. But I think creating greater efficiency and ease of use for everybody in the chain is really, really important. That was not an invitation for you to start talking about the blockchain, by the way, because I know no. as soon as I say chain, that's where you go. But I, I actually want we'll to go to a different later. kind of chain, yeah. which is the supply chain. So you didn't name the company, but you referenced it, which is Amazon. Yep. yep. And if you think about Amazon as a logistics business from end to end, yes. they have both, they have their own first party logistics business and they have a marketplace, yes. but they have third party yes. logistics business too. And then all the different things that come around that, that's actually where my mind went when you're talking about this. I just want to pause for a second and not give anybody the impression that we're comparing ourselves to Amazon, okay? But some of what they did, we are trying to do. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So they, at one point, created this thing called Z Stores. They had their own online presence. And they said, there's a lot of other people who want to sell online, but maybe don't have the capacity, the financial wherewithal to actually do that. So we'll provide you an infrastructure for you to be able to operate online. So we've done that. We have taken a lot of the features and functions that we've built to run our business and made those available to GPs or to distribution platforms to actually run their business. And that's a big part of our SaaS business where we take the technologies originally built for iCapital and sell them to individual users. Amazon obviously created a massive business with web services, AWS. Another example of something they built to run their business that becomes a massive opportunity in and of itself. So we think as we continue to build out features and functionalities, everything we're doing on the development side is to build the product that is also productized to be able to be used internally or externally as part of solving customer issues. If I said solving the challenges within private markets is solving a logistics problem, what would you say to that? It, it is massively solving a logistics problem because if you think about what has prevented, I remember when we announced a partnership with Schwab and I was at Impact in 2019 and uh, I, I think I've said this, I, I love hanging at the booth when you go to these events because you just get to talk to advisors all day. And many advisors came up and said, I, this is so great that you guys are doing this because like, I haven't done alts with my clients because it's just really hard. And it's hard around things that are logistics. Advisors and clients getting access to products, automating the subdoc, the subscription process, managing capital calls, managing distributions, building portfolios, et cetera. It's, it's sort of all the things that have to happen in the alts world that don't necessarily happen in the 60-40 world. And to the point around technology never being done, now the vast majority of our business is not in feeders. That's where we started. The vast majority of our business is in directs, either direct investments into 3C7 funds or purchases of evergreen products, et cetera. And so how do you take the technology and evolve it 
so that it can handle, process, and manage non-feeder business. That's been a massive part of the last three to five years. And it's paid a lot of dividends because the reality is that next wave of advisors has a lot more accredited clients and QP clients. And so you've got to have a really robust menu of non-feeder. By the way, there's still a lot of interest in feeders. As Mark Twain said, rumors of our death have been greatly exaggerated, but we still, as I said, do a lot more business outside of the feeder business than we do in the feeder business. So connecting a lot of those dots, it really does feel like we're at this next phase of private markets in yep. large part because of that. And now as you think about enabling the logistics or supply chain of alts to be distributed into the right hands, a large part of that's actually around productization too. Nick Veronis from iCapital and Stephanie Davis from Hamilton Lane, they were, I thought they wrote a great piece yep. on the future is evergreen. So these evergreen and semi-liquid funds that are now coming to the forefront. By the way, um, I, I, I think the industry has to stop using the term semi-liquid. Why? I like evergreen much better because I think it confuses people. I think when people look quickly at the term semi-liquid, in their head, they hear liquid, they see liquid. And these products have elements of liquidity, but they're not liquid. It, it's like anything else. If I say something, you'll hear parts of what I say, but maybe not all of what I say. You'll hear the part you wanna hear. And somebody might hear just liquid, not semi-liquid. So I think as part of the overall education, people have to understand that semi-liquid does not equal liquid. I prefer to use the term evergreen because I think it's a safer term from an understanding standpoint. I think it's a really interesting and important point because that gets to also the logistics, part of the logistics of making sure those products go into the right hands. So when you think about where this space is going, because where evergreen goes, at least in my mind, is you can also, to your point, you can work with a lot of different advisors who have different types of clients than just qualified purchasers. So yep. you're getting to the point where investors with lower minimums, even lower than we've talked about in the past, can participate. So what do you make of that? Well, I think it's really important that advisors have tools and capabilities for all the clients. No advisor wants to put up sort of the velvet rope that keeps some of their clients on the outside and some on the inside. And so that is an exercise in ongoing product education, pro product creation, and figuring out how to create products that are appropriate for that next wave of clients. And by the way, as I said earlier, I'm enthusiastic that as I watch all the hard work that the GPs are putting into actually innovating new product designs and capabilities to be able to really serve this market well. You know, five years ago and before, they weren't building products just for this channel. One or two firms were doing that. Now, a lot of people are spending a lot of energy trying to figure out how to really customize products that work for this channel. To me, that's about giving your client what they need, and that's the beginning of, of success. Where do you think that innovation is gonna come from? And maybe to not lead the witness, but I think it's related is, the traditional asset managers are now getting involved yeah. in the alt space. There's a lot of recent news that was very big yeah. in that regard. So where is the innovation gonna come from in this space? I think it's gonna come from the GPs. It'll come from the distribution platforms, banks, RIAs, et cetera, obviously ourselves. I, I think it's really at, at a stage in this market where everybody is a little bit in the lab and in the field. It's a cycle. You gotta be in the field to understand what to do in the lab and vice versa. And so I think 
all the major GPs are every bit as much in the lab as in the field, and I think that's a good thing. Well, we started off talking about chemistry in the context of sports, but it's related to the private market space of bringing everybody together in the form of collaboration and utility. So how does this space get there? People collaborating, GPs recognizing that, yeah, they are competing with each other on the one hand, but if the infrastructure works, they all can use it. And so collaboration around things like education, collaboration around technology and infrastructure, collaboration around how data is managed, same on the distribution side. I think a lot of the banks and independents have realized that there are elements around which they don't have to compete and they're better off letting evolve in, in an open kind of way. Like open technologies have tended to be pretty powerful. I think people are increasingly understanding that and, and I think it's a healthy part of the market's evolution. So in the spirit of connecting all those dots, that ties in utility, that ties in standardization, right? Yep. There are certain things that GPs can yep. use together and benefit from collectively. And then that ties in the holistic aspect of bringing together an entire alt portfolio, but then figuring out where the right products are and how to get the logistics problem of solving that. So I think it's a great way to wrap up this episode. Yep. Before we go, I have to ask you, what's the quote from this month? So an old quote, it's always been sort of in my head. It's a John Wooden quote, obviously an unbelievable coach, but, but teacher and developer of people. And his quote was, be quick, but don't hurry. And I think one of the things we've always tried to do at iCapital is be patient and understand that we have to move quickly in terms of what we develop and so forth, but we can't be in a hurry. People will adopt at a pace that's comfortable for them. And, and I think inherent in that quote is this notion of being patient and thoughtful, being energetic and really moving to the next set of issues, but being patient about how you get there and solving them. I think that's a great way to end because you touched on this earlier, which is 2013, 2014, you built a product that you delivered to the marketplace that met them at their point of need. Yes. You were thinking about modularization of that product, but you knew you couldn't get there in day one. It took 10 years to be able to get yes. there, but you had to meet them when they were ready to be met. Absolutely. So it's a great way to end. We, we wrap this one with a bow. Thank you. Thanks, Lawrence, for coming on the monthly Alts Pulse. I'm Michael Sigmore here with Lawrence Calcano. We'll see you next time on the Monthly Alt Pulse.